1: That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradford Show. That's delicious.
0: Trumpet. He was. Uh, he went to his first baseball game the other day. Did old Timmy Trumpet, and he did the "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" seventh inning stretch for the uh, New York Mets.
2: No Edwin Diaz though. No. It was too bad. Really too bad. Because
0: that would have been perfect. did uh, happen. Yeah. Would have crushed it. That's right. So we welcome in, uh, oh, and, man. and he's joining us on let's Twitch, go. joining us on Twitch as well. That. The uh, flag of Bradford Sonia is not hanging in Good the background. Uh, uh, he's uh, brought to us by our friends at McFarland Energy, Rob McFarlane. Bradford of WEEI.com. and uh, yeah. When are you gonna? Are you gonna? Uh, yeah, are you expecting like uh, Timmy Trumpet to start doing like weddings now and let's, things like that? Let's
1: just say that there's been conversations for a new Bradford show open. Timmy Trumpet might be involved. Uh, Also, I went to Felix Bautista who is the closer for the Baltimore Orioles who also has great walk-in music which is the whistling and the wire. You ever watch the wire? Uh, of
2: course it is. That's Omar. I that mean, right. Omar coming. So you know, the, you
1: know yeah. Yeah, that's right. So that's his that's his entry music. That's pretty sweet. And he told me exclusively that he thinks his intro music is better than the Timmy Trumpet. Dance. Wow. Yeah. So
2: Seaking. i
0: ESPN on this. Yes.
2: Yeah, so I, I would have to disagree. Even though the wire is my favorite show of all time and that might be slightly more badass. It's just the way the trumpets hit, it's a cooler intro. Well, is just, it, it's just it, cooler.
1: And of course, we, it goes without saying that there's one. There you go. That's a pretty good one. That's a pretty good it's entry. Cool. Yeah, it's cool. It's yeah. cool, but you gotta
2: be kinda quiet for it, whereas like you can't miss the trumpets. Right. <laughs> like the trumpets hit you like you'd be mid conversation and you have to stop. Whereas like if you're talking loud enough you might miss
1: the whistling. Well again,
0: it's- they get eight thousand people in Baltimore, <laughs> so <laughs> that, that maybe help. they'll all whistle a Not along. anymore, not anymore. But you know, team.
1: it's it's uh you know, it's gonna be shocking that there's also one all ex player that thinks that, all of them fall after his, which is Jonathan Papelbon. Yeah, oh, which I don't hard. know if you agree.
2: I don't know if you agree with that. I mean, it's no, takes a case. Probably not top ten. I would whoa, say. Whoa,
0: whoa, what? Well, you have like energy. man.
2: You have you have Rivera. You have Hell's Bells with Trevor Hoffman. Those are the two that immediately jump to mind. This Timmy Both-
0: trumpet thing blows that blows the Papelbon yeah, oh away. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow, wow! Trumpet's the best. Edwin Diaz is the best one of all time. It's pretty. Wow. It, I, it, yeah, yeah. I it love is. it. I, I I love it too. Yeah. The whole ship me up to wow. Boston? Oh, God. Or shipping up to Boston. Whatever. <laughs> How about ship it out? How about that? That's what you should do. Yeah,
2: I didn't, I didn't care for it as much. But anyway, Bradford, you can maybe break the tie on, on this one. Okay. Uh the, we've talked about Rafael Devers all year. I feel like we've brought up him and his contract all year long. <laughs> Gresh is of the mind where you have him under contract for next year, so it's not as much of a concern. Whereas for me, I feel like they've already passed the time for it to be a concern. You see all these young guys sign long-term deals way before they get to free agency. Which side of the fence are you on? Is it that, oh, they still have time to deal with it, or we should already be pretty worried?
1: You should be worried. I mean, I don't think there's any question. You go back to, we can't be hypocrites about, like, saying the Mookie Betts situation. We've said this time and time again. This lines up exactly like the Mookie Betts thing. Now, what happened there was you got into, Heimblum was hired. They make what they figure is their best offer, and then it's not going to work out, so they trade him. They trade him in February. Well, how is that any different than Raphael Devers? And I'll, I'll give you the answer to that if ownership comes in and said, well, we really messed up the Mookie Betts thing, and we really can't take the hit like we took with Mookie Betts, and we don't have Raphael Devers and Xander Bogarts and all these other guys still on the roster if Devers leaves. So that's where it's different. But in terms of the, the contract status, uh, it's the same as Mookie Betts. So, we, so it will absolutely – Be like very, very uncomfortable if you get into next year without a deal. And that's the way they're trending.
0: Well, that's what you just said, though, is the real like I'm of the deadline spur action when it comes to doing contracts and things like that. And you just said it for as whatever it could be, as long as you know, the player is willing to stay here. That's the grand caveat of all of this, including with bets, because he said all the right things. But did we really, truly believe that he was not going to go to free agency? I don't know. I don't know if anybody knows that. But that's the thing. Ownership can just go, it takes $350 million? Fine. Let's stroke the check and get it done. And they go back, and there it is. That's why I'm not freaked out over it, because... The cards are still being held by John Henry. No, Whether no, he no. wants to play no, them no, or not no, is another
1: story. Yeah, well, I guess the, in, in that respect, the, the, the cards in terms of who was going to get the deal that they want is held by Raphael Devers. I mean, that's, that's – and, and Mookie Betts was the same way. Where, you know, I do believe if you offered what Mookie Betts was asking, which was at that time probably around $400 million, that he would have come back. And, and you say, well, that's a lot, and, and Rafael Devers isn't going to ask that. But what Rafael Devers is going to ask for is to be paid amongst the, the elite in the game. And I don't know if the Red Sox had ever viewed him as the, an elite in the game, certainly by their offers before they didn't view that. And what it also comes back to is when, when I say Rafael Devers hold the cards, he does. Like, he has gotten to this point in in his professional career where he's a year away from free agency, where he has the right to hold out for the last little cent, okay? Where the Red Sox messed up, and I still don't understand this, and I probably said this a million times, but I still don't understand it, is how they did not approach Rafael Devers before the end of March this year. That is unbelievably baffling to me and makes absolutely... Absolutely no sense, because as we see in baseball, this is what you do. We saw it before this. We saw it before Julio Rodriguez and all these other guys. We saw it with Theo Epstein. Like We saw this is how teams are built, foundations are built. And for whatever reason, they waited until the very last bit of spring training this year to make the first offer to Rafael Devers, according to... To Raphael Devers.
0: Can I just quickly, how much do you think, if anything, did the the whole looming lockout? Because we forget at the beginning of the year we still had labor strife. Like, I know we've all forgotten about it because we got wrapped up into the year. Do you think that played anything into – offering Devers or the way they approached Devers, because now that that got squared away and we're not going to have labor issues anymore, you're going to look at the books and then it's, who's the first guy I got to deal with. And that's why they went to, uh, that's why they went to Bogarts.
1: Maybe, maybe. And it's a good point, but here's the thing. Offer them a hundred dollars. I don't care. Offer them anything. <laughs> Let them well, gonna... know that you want them. Let them know that you want them. And so there you go. this, this goes back to 2019, when Dave Dombrowski was let go and someone high up in the organization told me that their priority was to make an offer to Rafael Devers, which made all the sense in the world. Alex Bregman had just signed a five-year, $100 million deal uh, the year before. It lined up perfectly, You know, even if, you, if he was going to ask for whatever. But you needed to at least approach them, much like they did, by the way, with Garrett Whitlock and he took it. It might be low, but at least approach him. So, so I'm told that. Nothing happens. Heimbloom's hired. Nothing happens. Mookie Betts is traded. Nothing happens. I mean, we're talking well before the lockout happened. So there was plenty of time to introduce things, as, as Mookie Betts told me. And I, I'll never forget this. He said, the toughest deal to turn down in all of the deals is the first offer. The first one. That, that was what he said. And that was really, really early in his whole professional career and because he you never see that much money and he you know you turn it down and then you get more and you get more and you more next thing you know you're at free agency
2: so i have zero faith in in heim bloom and i think there's a really long list of uh, missteps along the way that he has had should we add to it back in 2020 let's say he was told listen you got to you got to trade mookie betts get the most for it and he does that should he have then pivoted and then at that moment offered rafael devers a massive extension
1: yeah, well, I think
2: so. I, think, I guess my question then would be: yeah. Did did John Henry say, "Hey, you have to trade bets and no more big deals," or was it, "Hey, we've kind of hit a, a you know our, our head against the wall with bets. We're not going to get bets, but we better not lose our at the time twenty two year old stud who had already won a World Series and was coming off a monster year."
1: I, I don't have I don't have a definitive answer to that. I think two things. Number one. That I think when they hired Hein Bloom, it was the same idea when they hired Dave Dombrowski. You're going to run our baseball operations. You're making the decisions. We trust you to make the decisions. And, may, and my guess is that Heim Bloom said, "This is the path they want to go down." So you know that's all well and good, but at the same time, there was probably some idea, some notion in Heim Bloom's mind, as we've seen with the Matt Olson extension or a contract comp you know, that they didn't view Raphael Devers like Raphael Devers viewed himself. Like they view Raphael Devers at that time, particularly as the kid who was, you know, might be not going to be in the best shape, can hit the crap out of the ball and is a bad defender. Well, okay, now he's a better defender. He's certainly a guy that you stick in the middle of the order. And I would say he's a guy that you would pay a lot of money for, a lot more money than I think even at the beginning of this year that they were probably allocating to.
0: Uh, Where do you see – so let's say we get to a year from now. uh, The way it's kind of being portrayed is that 30 teams in baseball will be lining up for Rafi Devers. That's not true. How many realistically do you think would be in on giving a player potentially $400 million? What are we really talking about here in terms of teams that would really be willing to go that far for this player? There are playoff teams in the American League right now that wouldn't go that far.
1: No, I, I don't think. I don't think Rafael, De, Rafael Devers is a four hundred million dollar uh, contract guy.
0: Well, that's the number that everybody seems to be throwing well, around well, on sports radio well, and stuff.
1: Well, yeah. Well, I mean, let, I mean let's, let's let's take a step back here. There, the Matt Olson deal was wasn't even what it was. He wasn't even at two hundred million. Okay. <laughs> so we know that <laughs> we we also know we also know that. Bloom said, you know, I forget the word he used, but there was a defri- a, di- a divide. It, it, we're not coming to common ground when it comes to the understanding the value of the player. And then we hear reports that they might have been $100 million apart. I always said this, is that to a guy who is 26 years old, which is what he's going to be, why aren't you just throwing him the Manny Machado 10 years, $300 million? Yeah, you might not value him at that. Oh, well. Oh, well, you know, and he's not as good as defensively as Manny Machado, but he's that important to this team. And the all of this, through all of this, when we talk about value, we have to incorporate the business side of things, guys. We have to look at this differently than Mookie Betts because because after Devers, if Bogarts leaves, who's wearing the who, whose shirt you wearing? And I know that's a stupid way to look at it, but it is. Ryan not- Brian Brazier. Right, well there you go. There you go. And, like go down the list. Well Rob so, and you they say, have to value that. I agree. And you
0: say there's a hundred million dollar divide. Is that the Red Sox offered two million and he wants three hundred? Or the Red Sox offered three hundred and he wants four. No, they offered one sixty-eight. No, but what I'm saying is, is that eventually when we get there, if we hear they're a hundred million, like a hundred million apart, isn't made equal. I guess is what I'm saying. Like two to three hundred is different than three to four hundred. Well, it's for, it,
2: nobody's saying four hundred like sourced wise, four hundred. No, that's not that yeah, has not I, come I out mean, at all. I think
1: I think that if you if you go and offer him the Machado deal, I think that's a fair offer. that is a fair offer now. If Devers does what Betts does, did and said, "Hey, you know, I want to be close, paid closer to Mike Trout," which he won't, because he understand I, he understand there is a, a difference in terms of the overall what you bring the game. Although his agents might throw out, look at he's been at the top of war for most of the year, right. you know. So, but still, I think that if you offer him the Machado deal then it's, it's a different thing. And I want to go back to the business side of things. I mean, we've talked a lot about this, about how you the ownership, it is going to be fascinating to find how much ownership swoops in and says, hey, listen, Haim, I know you value him at this, but we got to amp it up a little bit. And I do think that in this world of baseball, that is a hugely important thing. Anthony Rendon is not going to bring any value to the Angels. That was a dumb signing by them. But if you told me that the Angel offer Shohei Atani five hundred million dollars, I would say yes. Because you know why? He's awesome for business and he's awesome as a baseball player.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. I think, you know, obviously before he tested positive for steroids, same idea with Fernando Tatis. you know, San Diego was gonna keep him. They locked him up early. Just saw Julio Rodriguez sign with the with the Seattle Mariners. So my other fear on this too, Bradfoe, is if they screw this up, Endeavors is gone they're going to try to make up for it with a really bad signing and the next Marcus Simeon or Corey Seager, they're going to be the ones that sign. Like, I feel like that happened with Lester. Like, John Lester, they screwed up, so then they were like, David Price for sale, we're not going to let these guys go. And those are both terrible signings. And if, if the Devers thing doesn't go their way, to your point, all of a sudden there's not really that popular player on the team, doesn't it seem like it might be trending towards them making a real bad mistake?
1: Yeah, well, you know, it goes back to how come the Red Sox have never valued the guy who's guys who have played here and shown that they can do it in Boston enough, mm-hmm. and this is a constant theme with many many regimes that have gone come through here. But it, I, I think it's one of these things where you have to. How are they going to? They what? Right now, what we're hearing from them is, "Oh my goodness, they have all this money. They're going to have all this money. You don't know what this reserve judgment because we have all this money." Well. Okay, fine. But you, you you don't have you don't have the benefit in the doubt when it comes to spending this money. And in my concern with this team, with this the way that they have approached things according to people in the industry, is that they are lowballing everyone? They're saying, "Here's what we value the guy at." Well, too bad. Whereas sometimes you just have to get uncomfortable for the guys who are going you want to get. And I use the 2013 continuum as a perfect example of this. Sure, they used their money from the Dodgers trade to spread it out to the Victorinos and Annapolis and those guys. But guess what? Nobody else was valuing Shane Victorino at three years, $39 million. They got uncomfortable. They overpaid for him. And that's what they're going to have to do with guys they really want. And I don't know if they've shown they're going to do that. So then who,
0: who should be trusted then? Ownership jumping in as it has in the past and maybe make a mistake or letting the baseball guy make mistakes?
1: Well, I, I, think, still, I think they're still leaning heavily on Heim Bloom. Like what the Devers thing and the Bogarts thing might be a little bit different because, like I said, the business side of things come into play. But when he goes and says, "Hey, you know, I want to get this guy on a three-year deal," take take my word for it. I think that they're still going to lean on. They paid him, and they're 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 showing faith in him still to do that. Now this year he has to show that he can do it. I mean, there's, we've talked about this whole plan of sustainability. That's all well and good, but when you're 0 for one. You know, you have to you have to even things off a little bit by being good. It's a results business, and the results I don't know if you know this, guys, mm-hmm. have not been good this year. Six games not. under. Yeah, they stink.
0: Who would have thunk yeah. it? Yeah, it's no. almost like a lock. The Baltimore is going to finish uh, above them. Rob Bradford at weei.com dot com. Who, uh, by the way, the whole graphic uh, battle mm-hmm. between you don't like cursive? your well, it's the cursive, but also Rich Keith did this on his own. No, oh, he said it was incredible. You, 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 you have a staff of high schoolers to do these things for you. They're good with those kind of yeah. things. too. they grew up on it. Like I, I think that's why Keith gets his hand raised on that one because <laughs> he did it. You had some kid who's about to go back to school doing it <laughs> for
1: you. Listen, I applaud. I, I applaud the effort. I, I didn't know this was was just hours upon hours upon hours of Rich Keefe. Uh, it was days of my blood, life. Blood, sweat, yeah, tears. This, is, this is why I was out two I, weeks I ago just, for three I just, days. Sol- <laughs> I, just, I just solely thought it was because you you still had some uh, some scars from not being able, able to make a curse of Z. Or a cursive Q, uh, which we all have, right? Naruto. So, no, those are Z's. <laughs> but uh, listen, listen. I mean, when it comes to the fantasy football stuff, w- there's enough to go around, right? Everybody enjoys a good fantasy football league. You guys have one. I have one. Everyone. It's just like you know who everyone, doesn't enjoy it. Will who? Fleming. You left him out of your league. That, what that's what a happened false, there? A false narrative. That's false what he said. That's what Coop told me. No, yep. that's, that's, first of all, it's all wrong.
0: It's Happy all wrong. 16th. The group, he he the said way. he was willing to do I, the I draft said, during a so, game.
1: So he jumps in. Well, again, there you go. He said I he would, was willing to do it. He wanted to do it. Uh, you can't. I don't want that, to. That is devaluing everything that comes with the Red Sox broadcast. I am not going to say.
0: It's devaluing fantasy league, really. I was going to say, doesn't he take innings off every once in a while when there's yeah. three or four of them in yeah. the booth? Doesn't he I get mean, time to go it, eat? In, in, can?
1: in hindsight, I also didn't know that Papelbon would be drafting by holding a machete at a Little League game. So it's, you, you know. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, but I, I, I offered Will Fleming to be partnered with Coop um, oh come so on! How insulting!
0: That is what? worse. Hey, you want to go with this high school kid? Yeah. Hold his he's hand. What? Buy a he's booze. A, he's the commissioner. <laughs> he's the commissioner <laughs> again. More of you pawning everything off.
1: Uh, well, it's, yeah. it's called delegation.
0: Oh. All right.
2: oh. Sounds like a mess, but good luck
0: with <laughs> it this year. Hey, I,
1: I look. I look. I look forward to the entire season. It's a uh, great, the great sport of fantasy football. Is a real winner today. There great. we
0: go. Bradford, thank you, friend.
1: All right, thank you. Rob
0: Bradford joins us, uh, courtesy of our friends at uh, McFarland Energy.